Hi everyone and welcome to Beer and Bants. My name's Chris and we'll go straight into the tried and tested for this episode. So the tried and tested for this episode is a IPA and it's from Berlo. So they are a Czech brewing company I believe. I've now started to take my own knowledge before I even started. Uh, yeah so this is one that was basically their beer but it was brewed by uh, somebody over here in the UK. I have tried it before. I thought it was quite pleasant but it has been a while so... I'm sure it could be slightly off from what I remember. Now, it's 6%, and as is usual with a lot of the international style beers, there is not really a fat lot to discuss. So, uh, on the look of it, it's quite a golden colour, I'd say. Uh, quite With a little bit of a paleness to it, slight haze, um, on the aroma, you do get the hint of the hops, and you also get a slight subtle fruitiness, but I can't work out exactly which one it is. So what I'm going to do is just have a quick swig and then see what we can get out of it, can we? Okay, so straight away you have a, that bite of the hops. The hops come straight in for the start. It's not with the ones that you get the bite afterwards. Straight in. Subtle tinge of maybe a, like a tropical fruit, but it's not one I would say that was like a uh, New England IPA or anything along those side lines. It is very, very subtle, and a lot of people may not even taste the fruit. It's that delicate in there. But yeah, there is Christmas to it, um, obviously with the carbonation. But overall, I think it's quite well balanced. I think it's one of those ones that IPA purists would still enjoy. It's not one of these ones where they say, oh, IPA, and you start drinking like, a proper IPA drinker wouldn't like this. I think it's very much uh, up there. If you like the likes of like Goose Island or anything like that, it's along those similar kind of flavour profiles, similar kind of strength as well. So yeah, realistically, I think that's quite a enjoyable, pleasant IPA. Probably not if you want something a bit more extravagant or you know something that's going to knock your socks off. Probably not your want to go to but if you haven't tried it it's definitely worth a blast very 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 drinkable shall i say right so uh apologies for being a week late but unfortunately i have been struck with a cold so yeah not very helpful when you try and taste things when you can't taste uh but yeah so one thing that i have been watching which has been i think a lot of people have been following from a distance and whether they knew there was a tv series about it or not um I think most people have heard this by now, but it's a TV series called Made in Wrexham. So this is on Disney Plus in the UK or on FX if you're across the pond in the US. Um, Made in Wrexham is about uh, Rob McElhenney, who is from... Um, he's an American. Oh, uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia is a TV series he stars in. Um, he got an interest in buying a football club um some look around and they actually came across the Wrexham story now if anybody who's not into the background of it Wrexham were you know quite a big team back in the day but they've been down in the national leagues for 14 years now I think um and basically what's happened is they pretty much collapsed the fans uh, decided that they were going to buy the team um what happened then as any like kind of fan-funded um, team in a small area, they were struggling financially uh, on and off the pitch. So when 
somebody was looking, because obviously it's a Welsh team rather than an English team, but they play in the English leagues, that instantly appealed to Rob McElhenney. And it's also like the third oldest team in England, in the UK, I believe. So what happens? What happened then was Rob McElhenney got um, interested in purchasing the property, uh, purchasing the club, but didn't really have, like, have the financial backing. So he had actually he'd been speaking to Ryan Reynolds. Um, I didn't actually realise until the series started that Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney had never actually met in real life. Uh, they were friends over social media, so I believe. Uh, Ryan commented on something that Rob had done. Rob said thanks, and they started like struck up a social media friendship. So they spoke quite frequently. Um, we'd never actually met in real life, so the fact that they they basically play millions into a football club, and it's all based on trust, uh, I actually think is quite amazing. Now, I won't give too much away because you know, otherwise, what's the point in watching it? But it does. I watched four episodes so far, so they're releasing two every Thursday. Uh, the first ones are kind of very much focused on um, them trying to get the club, and then the second one was about like what happened for the end of the season when they first took over, and then from that point it kind of kicks off, um, basically saying what they're doing in the off-season, what type of approach are they going to go, what financial backing, what issues might they have, um, actually getting a proper structure in place rather than just volunteers, actually getting paid employees. Um, and the main there's a lot of focus around getting a community feel to it, which is, for some people who are TV stars, film stars, um, run their own businesses, for them to not only just buy a club in a place like Wrexham and then you know sort of like yeah, there's something amazing they didn't do that they've come in with a sole focus of trying to get the club back into the um, English the proper English football leagues um, but not just that they also want to benefit the community as well in Wrexham so it actually makes the whole thing and the whole place like actually, you know, it, it goes to it all develops and grows as one, which I think is actually a very nice, you know, it's something that a lot of people like and foreign investors and stuff wouldn't necessarily look at doing. But I think the way I think that says a lot about their character. A lot of it came from the fact that Rob McElhenney is a big Philadelphia Eagles fan, so Philadelphia Eagles play American football, um, and it's one of those things that. You know, it's their team, they go and cheer on no matter what the weather, they embrace the sport, they love the sport, they breathe the sport. And he wanted to kind of feel that himself um, through football. So, yeah, I mean, I've only seen four episodes so far. It's developing quite nicely. It's got the same, it's got the comedy that you would expect from Ron McElhenney and Roy Reynolds. They, they're very big characters in the programme, but they're not just what the programme's about. Um... But they do bring a very, very good comedic element to it. And it's it's definitely worth watching. Um, I'm not too sure how many episodes there are in the series. But I'm hoping they carry on doing it for quite some time as everything develops and the way in which the team develops and their connection to it. But one thing that um, I did find quite funny was the fact that they were <laughs> how engrossed. They automatically became inside this, like watching the team. So both Rob and Ryan will stay up like four o'clock in the morning over in the US 
um, watching the games and then we'll talk to each other straight after you know it's not that they're proper embracing it and you know I think it's lovely and I don't think there's any harm in uh, foreign investors like buying clubs but I think especially like with the likes of Leicester City in football as well um, the old uh, CEO before he perished in a um, helicopter accident he wanted to develop the culture around Leicester and embrace everything and become him become part of Leicester rather than the other way around. And I think that it's a really, really nice like setup. And I think more people should do it if they're going to do that rather than just come in, throw loads of money and not really care. But yeah, so that's made in Wrexham. Um, if, if you haven't watched it, please, please have a look at a couple of snippets, maybe even a couple of trailers before you want to invest in something like that. That's completely fine. But I don't think you'll regret it. I genuinely don't. Right, so let's finish off some of this beer before I can move on to the next one. So they ran the world. They ran the world. Oh my days! It's gone really well already. Uh, so the trying test for this episode was IPA from Brillo. Now the Peter Falk for this episode. A bit of a strange one. So this was one that come from Beavertown, but it's not just Beavertown. It was one of the part of the celebration ones that I've given, I think I've covered one of their beers before. It was a collaboration for one of their birthdays. Now this one was a collaboration with Soffles. Now Soffles are a Pitta chip company. So that's Pitta bread or Peter, depending on where you're from in the world. Basically, just their versions of you know breaded crisps, essentially, or chips if you're in in the US. Now it's a West Coast IPA, which is not necessarily a style of beer that I would go to anyway. However, because of the intrigue with the cross influences with it, the West Coast IPA, the cool can. I thought, why not? It's, it's got to be worth a try, hasn't it? So, this one is 6.5%. Again, they haven't really put much blurb about what they put into it. But, you know, let's uh, have a quick smell and a quick taste, shall we? So, on the colour, surprisingly, it's not as hazy as I was expected to be. Now, that may be because it just, it's all settled at the bottom of the can. I'm sure I'll find out as the more I drink. Uh, but again, very light golden colour. Um... Now I can smell the hops and I can smell something else but I can't quite place it at the moment. Could still be the remnants of the cold that's kind of coming through the, like you know, inhibiting what I can smell. Nope, I think I'm just going to have to go straight in so if you bear with me. Okay. Now... With a lot of West Coasts, there is a can, there can be an overwhelming bitterness. Now, this one, tint of fruit, you kind of get that straight from the off. This one's more of a slow builder, so you get the, as you're drinking more, the that hoppy taste kind of comes through, and you get that that aftertaste bite that you would generally get with a you know, a stronger IPA. Um, it doesn't taste as strong as six point five percent, I must be honest, um, but overall. Um, it's a lot better balanced than I thought it was going to be. I, this is the problem with these weird collaborations. You just never really know because most of the time, especially like when you have like chefs involved, generally the um, chefs should stick in their lane as a general rule, in my personal opinion. Make beautiful food. Don't mess with the beer. Brewers, stick to your beer. Let your beer. Don't try and make any like you know, fancy meals because 
there's a reason why you've got you've gone down that route. Stick to what you're good at. But I will confess that one is a lot more enjoyable than I did expect it to be. Mm, so I'm not entirely sure. Mm, it's a shame that it's quite rare because yeah, you know, I you probably will try more of this. Hmm. But yeah, so that was the Beaver Town Crossroads Soffles for the for their birthday anniversary, I think. Um, 6.5%. Yeah, if you can get your hands on it, I'd recommend that, especially if you're a West Coast fan. It's quite enjoyable. Right. Well, we might as well talk about my favourite subject, sport, because, you know, we haven't already covered it. So, this is my kind of, one of my favourite times of year. So, the summer, especially in the UK, has been horrendous it's been too hot too dry uh we can't cope with it we're not designed for it for a lot of um foreign people the concept of us being you know sweating and melting when it comes to like 30 degrees plus they're like really that's not that hard however what they tend to people tend to like you know easily skip over is the fact that in the uk we don't have temperatures that high very often so our prop, like our buildings, are quite well insulated. We have lofts insulation, you know, underfloor insulation, just to try and keep the heat in because it can get quite cold and wet. So, with all that type of stuff, when it does get warm, the heat gets in and there's nowhere for it to go. So that's generally why we struggle so much. <laughs> A lot of places, well, you know, you'll try and find sneak into somewhere that's got air conditioning and either pretend to shop or go and buy a drink or something just so you can enjoy the cold air for a bit. Um, I actually know people who've, you know, when it, we went through the 40-degree heat wave, um, literally just slept on the garden furniture outside, not even in a tent or covered up. It was literally just like, that was the coolest place I could find. Cool, that'll do. So, <laughs> it's... You know, it's, it is one of those. But, um, yeah, so the, when it comes to this time of year, I quite like it because the, the weather does drop off. Yes, it gets a bit wetter, but it's a bit more of a nicer temperature overall. Um, a lot of sports tend to start up around now. So, obviously, the football season has already started. I mean, even like, I think we're on Champions League and Europa League and all that type of stuff at the moment. Um, for me, a little bit more interested in the NFL. So, the NFL starts... Uh, tonight actually so it's one of those ones where it's not a very long season starts in Sep- they start in September runs through all the way through to the Super Bowl which is generally around uh, well I think mid-February now because I've had an extra week in, during the schedule uh, but yeah so the NFL quite looking forward to that again started I know it's not everybody's bag but it's quite a tactical game and yes there's a lot of physicality to it as well so I think there's if someone's there to explain how it works I think you can get into it. If you just try and watch it on your own and you've got no concept of what the sport's about, then I can see why people would struggle with it because I just think it's stop, start, stop, start rather than, you know, where there's quite quite good matchups uh, in the lineup and, like, people trying to read each other's plays before the start. So, but it is quite fun. But I'm not bored about that too much because I have talked about the NFL a lot. Uh, also, the rugby season starts tomorrow, so the Gallagher Premiership um, starts which again, I'm looking forward to, especially after Leicester Tigers won the uh, Premiership last year. I'm a big Leicester Tigers fan, followed them for a, a good many years, especially when you know it was very difficult to follow them when we were absolutely terrible and we were lucky not to get relegated. However, you know, I thought it was a, quite a good redemption for some of the players on there, especially like Freddie Burns, who had been dropped by quite a lot of clubs and actually lost interest in rugby for quite a bit until he spent that year in Japan. I think... 
you could tell how much it meant to him. And the fact that it wasn't just, oh, he come at the end for 10 minutes for George Ford and, you know, basking in the glory, but really it was somebody else that did the work. George Ford went down, like, really early. So, um, actually, the majority of the game was commanded by Freddie Burns. So, he deservedly won that medal. And I'm really happy for him. He was a really good lad. Um, but, yeah, so that all starts. So, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, along the sides of rugby, I actually also have started rugby coaching as well. Only for the, you know, micros, so uh, littlies. Hey, you always get a free hot dog at the end, which is always a winner, especially at my club, because we get award-winning hot, uh, hot dog sausages rather than just the cheap old tat. So that's quite good. Uh, but yeah, so that's a new venture that I've started. Now, I'm not a particularly active man, which a lot of people who have seen me will pretty much testify that because I'm a bit of a chunk. So, uh, yeah, I've started the rugby, the rugby coaching. Now, I did my first session uh, last Sunday, and my thighs are still aching now, so that's a good start. But obviously now I'm becoming a specimen, he says yeah, very sarcastically. Uh, <laughs> what I've decided to do as well is do another charity event. So, last year I did a lot of charity. I did a charity event where a lot of you donated, where I shaved my head. Uh, that was for um, Birmingham Children's Hospital. We raised quite a decent amount of money for that, so thank you for everybody did. Uh, this year, um, I'm actually going to do a mountain climb. So, we're going to go to Mount Snowdon in Wales. So, it's a three-hour drive from where we live. And then we're going to spend eight hours walking up and back down the mountain. And then three hours driving back. So, considering that I was struggling after a one-hour coding session with, like, you know, under six kids. It's going to be interesting to see how that like pans out. However, you know, you don't try, you don't know. But also, I'm doing it for a good cause. It'll be a bit of a laugh. Keeps me out of trouble for a little bit. So why not? Uh, but yeah, so I think that's pretty much the world of sport and things going on. So what I'll do is I'll quickly finish the Peter Fogg for this episode. And then uh, we'll move on to around the world. So yeah, that was the... Uh, West Coast IPA from Beavertown Cross with Soffles, the Pitta Bread, uh, Pitta Chips Company. Very, very pleasant. And then went down surprisingly easy. Right, now, the around the world for this episode. Um, well, I don't know if you can hear that, but it's quite a gloopy sound. So much <laughs> thought went into this. I was looking at the labels about what I was trying to, uh, you know, pick for this episode. I know I've done quite a few Spanish ones recently, so I wanted something a little bit different. Uh, however, I paid attention to the different styles and where it was from. Didn't actually pay attention to what the beer entailed. So this one is called uh, from Broastu Moscow, uh, and it's called Baltic Porter, which is a Tonka Vanilla Chocolate. Yeah. Now, the reason why I say I didn't really pay that much attention to it, because I didn't really notice on the back of the label, it says Nitro. So, I was like, oh, is it got nitrous gas in it just to make it a little bit different, give it a bit of a flavour? No, no, no. Clearly, they were referring to the ABV because this is 9.1. Now, that is a very, very strong beer. And I don't particularly like porters. And as I poured it, you could hear the gloopiness to it straight away. So, I'm expecting this to be utterly horrendous. But there's only one way to find out, isn't there? Now, I've had the little bit of a nose at the aroma. It does smell surprisingly sweet. 
Now, I get the thing that's going to lull me into a false sense of security. It's like, oh, and then smack a bit of a straight in the face. Maybe it's the vanilla coming through, but it doesn't make it smell... It doesn't make it smell like it's a 9.1 porter. But hey, bottoms up. Let's uh, see what happens, shall we? Right. So... Uh, yeah, sorry, that took a little bit longer because it was a little bit of recoil. Uh, <laughs> that is, um, I'm regretting how much I poured into my glass now. So, it's not as bad as I expected it to be. So when you do start drinking, you do get those those like very subtle vanilla notes and the you know, the chocolatey flavour. That part, and there is actually a strange kind of sweetness to it as well, which is surprisingly you know, different to this type, like this type of style of beer. But then you just get the smack in the face of bitterness. Now anybody who's into like their Imperial stouts and everything like that, you'll probably taste it and go, what you want about mate, this is nothing. For me, for someone who doesn't drink stouts, doesn't drink porters, that is it's quite an intense flavour. Now I reckon I could probably drink the bottle of it once I've got accustomed to it. But having those other beers that were a little bit lighter, even with the hoppiness and stuff, it didn't taste anywhere near as intense or as strong as that. Um, it's probably putting it in a worse position. Because it, on its own, it probably would be quite a nice drink to have. Um, but yeah, I, with what I've set up before, I'm not entirely sure I was very clever in my choice. But... There is some positives to it. It's not like a out-and-out, ugh, that is revolting, I need to throw it down the sink. There is, I will actually drink that the rest of the bottle. It's not going down the sink at all. But, hmm, I'm just, uh, it's very much a mixed bag. There is, there is some nice parts to it, but there is some parts I'm like, mm, it's definitely not for me. I'll just have one more quick swig. Yeah, see, that time, it actually, for me, it actually, there was a more intense. I didn't pick up as much of the vanilla and the chocolatey notes. There was much more of that bitterness on my palate, so clearly my tongue is picking that element of it up. But, you know, I say it's not un completely unpleasant, which is not, definitely not my style. Right, so, for the last uh, section, now, this is something that I didn't expect to be talking about today. Um, especially not when I was planning on doing this podcast like earlier this morning um, but obviously now news has broken throughout the world that Queen Elizabeth II has passed away now Queen Elizabeth whether you're a fan of the royals or not um, Queen Elizabeth was a very very good servant to you know the British people um, she always felt like she had a duty to perform for a country rather than just like, you know, I am queen, bow down to me. It was very much, you know, she felt like she was a servant and she wanted to repay people's trust in it. Uh, obviously, you know, what your opinion is on the royal family or any kind of monarchy is completely up to yourself. I'm not criticising or bashing anybody at all, but I do think it is a, a sad thing that she has passed away. She's the longest serving uh, British monarch was over 70 years um, but I think she I think she did a lot of good things she brought a lot of tourism in as well 
you know, some some people like, well, you know, they take all this money. I think they bring in a lot more than what they, you know, what they cost us. Um, but I think it's something that sets us apart from the rest of the world as well. So, you know, yes, republics they have positives and things as well, but it, it it's just something that sets yourself apart. And because of, you know, our royal family is generally quite well revered around the world as well. Obviously, not in some places, depending on you know where we've. Britain has invaded in the past normally. Um, but, you know, you can't blame everything on someone who had no involvement in it, really. Um, all we can say is, I thought she was an amazing lady. She did really well. Never actually wanted to stop uh, getting, you know, grabbing the country on the back and promoting things that were like British positive and everything. So I, th- I think she's she was an amazing lady. She served really well, um, and unfortunately, I think losing Prince Philip was that little bit too much for her. So we're, you know, the last couple of years have been a little bit hard for her, especially with you know, global pandemics and things. So, but yeah, so I just wanted to take this moment and quickly raise a glass to Queen Elizabeth II. Thank you for your service, and may you rest in peace. Now, of course, for moving on from that means that we have a new king. So we have King Charles and the Queen Consort, Camilla. Because you can't be a, just a queen because they were uh, married and you know divorced previously. So um, the, I think the strangest part, because I was trying to explain to my eldest child, who's four years old, we're trying to explain that the Queen had passed away and then we've got a king now. So my wife proceeded to then sing God Save the King. Now, I'm 39 years old. Um, it has been God Save the Queen for the entirety of my life. So trying to hear it as a uh, God Save the King, it's definitely going to take a little bit of uh, getting used to. Um, I'm not entirely sure he's going to sing him for a couple of years, probably. But, you know, I think it's it'll be interesting to see how they... Like Charles and Camilla take on that role um, are they going to be as proactive or is it one of those things that actually because they're elderly age will they not do much and actually most of it will still be done by William and Kate only time will tell but you know ultimately I think whether you're a fan of the monarchy or not this isn't a time for your own political standpoints or anything I think actually just a time for everybody to come together in the UK and you know Remember why we're proud to be British as, as a general rule. Um, yeah, yes, there's always negatives, um, you know, and including like family members as well. You know, we've all got a family member that's a bit dodge. So if you haven't, it's probably you. Um, but yeah, you know, overall, let's just embrace each other, let's support each other, and you know, let's see what the new horizons bring. Uh, right, so on that somber note, I'll quickly finish off the Around the World, and then we'll move on to the World Card. Okay, so the World Card for this episode is a Brewdog collaboration, more collaborations. So this one, a bit weird, so it's a Salty Caramel Milkshake IPA. Now this is one that was um, done in collaboration with Joe and Seth's. So it's a gourmet popcorn chef and connoisseur, apparently. Now, as I said before, I don't think food people should be involved in making beer. 
but I've been proved wrong once this episode, so why not twice? So this one is doo -doo 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 -doo. seven percent. So this is either going to be quite nice or utterly horrendous. I'm back in the latter. So right, other look again, slight hazy golden colour to it. Now you can smell the milk and a little bit of sweetness to it on the aroma. But that's about all I can really pick up. So I think there's only one thing for it really, isn't there? Let's uh, dive in. Now, after the, um, the Baltic Porter, that is quite a sweet and strange texture. Um, not texture, flavour profile. So... I am getting the sweetness. I'm getting that kind of milkshake flavour through. Now, milkshake IPAs, I've had one that was absolutely fantastic. But as a general rule, I don't think they're particularly great. I would argue that this is along those same sort of lines. Now, I said my favourite profile could have been destroyed by the porter. But it's not something I would go to anyway. I'm just going to take a little bit more. So yeah, so I'm picking up the the milk at the start. That little bit of sweetness coming through from the caramel. Um, but I do think the salt is making a bit of a difference because it's not like a smack of sweetness. It's more of a delicate one that works with that hoppy bitterness. And then it's followed by um, the normal hoppy flavour that what you'd expect. So... Not something I would reach for, not something I would definitely run to at all, but if you are into the milkshake IPAs, you haven't lost anything by giving it a try. I've just tried to go for that kind of like salted caramel popcorn flavour, but for me it just doesn't work. It's a gimmick. Um, if I'm honest, that's probably all I can say on the matter. Bit of a shame, but yeah, it is Brewdog. You kind of get used to the disappointment, I suppose. Right. It's that time of the episode, isn't it, where we get to rank them. Well, you know, if you've managed to drink along, maybe you can agree or disagree, but we'll see. In last place, unsurprisingly, from Poland, is the Baltic Porter. Now, although there actually was some positives on the initial swig, where it was, you know, pick up the vanilla, the chocolate, just that overwhelming bitterness from that type of beer. If you like porters, you like stouts, especially using pure stouts, I think you'll absolutely love that. But for me, it's just not my bag. Um, in third place is the Salty Caramel Milkshake IPA. Um, again, not really my style. It was probably... It probably benefited from the fact that it came after the... Um, the porter because I didn't pick up as many of the flavour profiles. However, it's still not one I would have as a regular basis at all. So yeah, that's definitely going to be in third place. In second place is the Burlo IPA. I've had that before. It's quite an unpleasant drink. Not particularly complicated or anything like that. However, you know it's quite pleasant. There's enough flavours in there to just keep you occupied, and it's a very easy drink. And then in First place, it's a Beaver Town. So it's the West Coast, which is quite surprising. But yeah, the 6.5 Beaver Town cross with Soft Falls, the West Coast IPA. Very pleasant, quite Moorish. And 
I say it's going to be very difficult to get your hands on it. However, if you can get your hands on it, I don't think you'd be disappointed. Right, well, thank you very much for spending time with me again. Um, I am hoping to get some more guests. I know you're probably a little bit sick of just listening to me to start off with. But I'm hoping to get some more guests on soon. And I'll be back with the by the end of the month with another episode. But then, yeah, any suggestions or anything you want me to focus on, please feel free to get in touch. But in the meantime, rest in peace. Uh, rest in peace. Queen Elizabeth, and look after yourselves. More importantly, look after each other. See you then.